Well, good afternoon and hello. Welcome to another episode of Bill's Facebook study. We are studying through the book, The Daily Bible, edited by F. Lagarde Smith. It is a wonderful tool to help you read through the Bible in a year. I just had one of our members this past Sunday ask me if I could get a copy of that for them, and, and I'm going to be getting theirs in the large print edition. They do have that as well, and I hope that if you haven't gotten a copy that you will, either electronic which I think is very useful, um, but also the hard copy is uh, a great find as well, the paperback regular size or the hardback um, large print. Um, great tool. We've been working through that this year, this calendar year. Hope you're reading along, and if you are, uh, these last few days, few weeks have been very, very hard, and uh, there's no way you can sugarcoat that, and it's not quite over yet this week. Two very hard readings on Thursday, the Lamentations, which is exactly what it talks about. It's Jeremiah lamenting the fall of Jerusalem and the, um, uh, the, the horrible things that happened because of the sin of the Israelites. I think he mourns their physical suffering, which is devastating, as well as uh, the spiritual suffering that they are enduring because of their sin. And um, today, it's not any rosier because today we read about the actual fall. Um, Jerusalem is under siege by the Babylonians, the northern kingdom of Israel and its capital Samaria, long decades before had been uh, destroyed and exiled by the Assyrians. And now it's Judah's turn, the southern kingdom of Judah and its capital city of Jerusalem, the wonderful great grand temple that Solomon built and dedicated with that marvelous prayer and and um, as well as the palace, the royal palace that King David built, uh, just everything destroyed. And this is how it all comes about. We're going to be reading mostly in Jeremiah 38 and 39. We'll end with a little bit of the last chapter of Jeremiah in chapter 52. Uh, you can also read about this in 2 Kings 25, but we're going to be in Jeremiah uh, starting in chapter 38 when uh, even at this stage, Jeremiah is still uh, being persecuted and still having difficulties. So Jeremiah 38, Shephatiah, son of Matan, Gedaliah, son of Pasher, Jehuchel, son of Shalemiah, and Pasher, son of Malchijah, heard what Jeremiah was telling all the people when he said, This is what the Lord says. Whoever stays in this city will die by the sword, famine, or plague, but whoever goes over to the Babylonians will live. They will escape with their lives. They will live. And this is what the Lord says. This city will certainly be given into the hands of the army of the king of Babylon, who will capture it. Well, the people that uh, Jeremiah just named uh, uh, don't like what he says any more than we would like it if somebody, a preacher, a prophet, stood up in our land today and said, look, everybody that's left in Washington, D.C. and in Dallas, Texas, and in wherever you live, they're all going to be killed. Everyone who stays in there will die either by famine or by plague or by the hands of battle from our enemies because... Uh, we will not win this war. We will lose, and that is strictly coming as the word of the Lord. Well, that doesn't sound very nice, and we would not like that any better than the people residing in Jerusalem did in Jeremiah's day. But nonetheless, because of their sinfulness, uh, for generations, 
that is exactly uh, what was going to happen. And then it doesn't go well for Jeremiah. Verse 4, Then the officials said to the king, This man should be put to death. He is discouraging the soldiers who are left in the city as well as all the people by the things he is saying to them. This man is not seeking the good of these people, but their ruin. He is in your hands, King Zedekiah answered. The king can do nothing to oppose you. What a sad statement from the leader of the people, from the king himself. I can't, I can't stop you. Horrible. Verse 6, So they took Jeremiah and put him into the cistern of Malchijah, the king's son, which was in the courtyard of the guard. They lowered Jeremiah by ropes into the cistern. It had no water in it, only mud, and Jeremiah sank down into the mud. What a sad, pitiful place for this faithful prophet of God. Verse 7, But Ebed-Melech, a Cushite, which means he was from Egypt, an official in the royal palace heard that they had put Jeremiah into the cistern. While the king was sitting in the Benjamin gate, Ebed-Melech went out of the palace and said to him, said to Jeremiah, or said to the king, My lord the king, these men have acted wickedly in all they have done to Jeremiah the prophet. They have thrown him into a cistern where he will starve to death when there is no longer any bread in the city. Then the king commanded Ebed-Melech the Cushite, Take thirty men from here with you and lift Jeremiah the prophet out of the cistern before he dies. I think the king had a change of heart, didn't he? Verse 11, So Ebed-Melech took the men with him and went to a room under the treasury in the palace. He took some old rags and worn out clothes from there and let them down with ropes to Jeremiah in the cistern. Ebed-Melech the Cushite said to Jeremiah, Put these old rags and worn out clothes under your arms to pad the ropes. Jeremiah did so, and they pulled him up with the ropes and lifted him out of the cistern. And Jeremiah remained in the courtyard of the guard. So he is saved. He would have died in there, no doubt, from um, starvation or lack of water. Uh, but he was saved. Verse 14, Then King Zedekiah sent for Jeremiah the prophet and had him brought to the third entrance to the temple of the Lord. I am going to ask you something, the king said to Jeremiah. Do not hide anything from me. Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, If I give you an answer, will you not kill me? Even if I did give you counsel, you would not listen to me. Jeremiah knows that the news he's going to ask for is not good news, and Jeremiah can't tell him. Um, and so he's either not going to believe him or he's going to have him killed. Verse 16, But King Zedekiah swore this oath secretly, secretly to Jeremiah. As surely as the Lord lives, who has given us breath, I will neither kill you nor hand you over to those who want to kill you. Then Jeremiah said to Zedekiah the same message he's been saying all along. This is what the Lord God Almighty, the God of Israel, says. If you surrender to the officers of the king of Babylon, your, your life will be spared, and this city will not be burned down. You and your family will live. But if you will not surrender to the officers of the king of Babylon, this city will be given into the hands of the Babylonians, and they will burn it down. You yourself will not escape from them. Interestingly, even in the midst of all their sin and with God determined to destroy the city and carry the people off into exile, he still gives them an out. He still gives King Zedekiah an out through Jeremiah. And he says, look, if you'll just surrender, I'll relent. I won't destroy the city. Um, God, of course, knew how Zedekiah would respond. Verse 19, King Zedekiah said to Jeremiah, I am afraid of the Jews who have gone over to the Babylonians. 
for the Babylonians may hand me over to them and they will mistreat me. And that could possibly happen. His own people uh, could blame him. Verse 20, they will not hand you over, Jeremiah replied. Obey the Lord by doing what I tell you. Isn't that the way it always is? We sing the song, trust and obey. In order to be obedient to God, you have to trust him. You have to have faith that he's going to protect you either in this life or ultimately. Um, would Zedekiah have that kind of faith? Again, verse 20, obey the Lord by doing what I tell you. Then it will go well with you and your life will be spared. But if you refuse to surrender, this is what the Lord has revealed to me. All the women left in the palace of the king of Judah will be brought out to the officials of the king of Babylon. These women will say to you, they misled you and overcame you, those trusted friends of yours. Your feet are sunk in the mud. Your friends have deserted you. All your wives and children will be brought out to the Babylonians. You yourself will not escape from their hands but will be captured by the king of Babylon, and this city will be burned down. Jeremiah has been consistent in his message. This has been the message all along. It's not what Zedekiah wants to hear, but it's the truth. And Jeremiah tells him the word of God. Verse 24, Then Zedekiah said to Jeremiah, Do not let anyone know about this conversation, or you may die. If the officials hear that I talked with you, and they come to you and say, Tell us what you said to the king and what the king said to you. Do not hide it from us or we will kill you. Then tell them I was pleading with the king not to send me back to Jonathan's house to die there. Well, okay, so the king tells Jeremiah to lie and apparently Jeremiah does. And I think we could make a case that says, you know, if Jeremiah would have just said, look, I've got to tell the truth if they ask me, I'm telling them and God will protect us. Well, I think he would have, but... Um, Let's see how it goes. Verse 27, all the officials did come to Jeremiah and question him, and he told them everything the king had ordered him to say. So they said no more to him, for no one had heard his conversation with the king. They had no idea that he wasn't telling the truth. And Jeremiah remained in the courtyard of the guard until the day Jerusalem was captured. That's where Jeremiah stayed until the Babylonians finally do what we're about to read about. In chapter 39. So the last part of the verse uh, that we just read, verse 28 of chapter 38, this is how Jerusalem was taken. And now we read about that in chapter 39 of Jeremiah, starting in verse 1. In the ninth year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the tenth month, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, marched against Jerusalem with his whole army and laid siege to it. And on the ninth day of the fourth month of Zedekiah's 11th year, the city wall was broken through. So in less than two years, um, Jerusalem is finally overtaken. Verse 3, Then all the officials of the king of Babylon came and took seats in the middle gate. And then it names them, and I won't try to name all of those, all the other officials of the king of Babylon. Verse 4, When Zedekiah, king of Judah, and all the soldiers saw them, they fled. They left the city at night by way of the king's garden through the gate between the two walls and headed toward the Arabah, headed to the south. But the Babylonian army pursued them and overtook them, overtook Zedekiah in the plains of Jericho. They captured him and took him to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, at Riblah in the land of Hamath, where he pronounced sentence on him. So they captured them on their trying to flee the city, 
and uh, they meet up with the king in uh, this city called Riblah. There at Riblah, verse 6 of Jeremiah 39, the king of Babylon slaughtered the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes and also killed all the nobles of Judah. Then he put out Zedekiah's eyes and bound him with bronze shackles to take him to Babylon. The Babylonians set fire to the royal palace and the houses of the people and broke down the walls of Jerusalem that Nehemiah would later uh, have on his heart to repair. Verse 9, Nebuzaradan, commander of the imperial guard, carried into exile to Babylon the people who remained in the city, along with those who had gone over to him and the rest of the people. But, but Nebuzaradan, the commander of the guard, left behind in the land of Judah some of the poor people who owned nothing. And at that time he gave them vineyards and fields. Jeremiah was one of the ones left in the city. Verse 11, Now Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had given these orders about Jeremiah through Nebuzaradan, commander of the imperial guard. Take him, Jeremiah, and look after him. Don't harm him, but do for him whatever he asks. So Nebuzaradan, the commander of the guard, Nebuchadnezzar, a chief officer, Nergal Sherezer, a high official, and all the other officers of the king of Babylon, sent and had Jeremiah taken out of the courtyard of the guard. They turned him over to Gedaliah, son of Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, to take him back to his home. So he remained among his own people. This Gedaliah would be the one that Nebuchadnezzar would appoint as ruler or king, de facto king. Verse 15, while Jeremiah had been confined in the courtyard of the guard, the word of the Lord came to him, go and tell Ebed-Melech, the Cushite. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, I am about to fulfill my words against this city. Words concerning disaster, not prosperity. At that time they will be fulfilled before your eyes, but I will rescue you on that day, declares the Lord. You will not be given into the hands of those you fear. I will save you. You will not fall by the sword, but will escape with your life because you trust in me, declares the Lord. This is the man who saved Jeremiah out of the, the dry well, out of the cistern. Uh, provided uh, garments for him to, to be able to pull him up with the ropes without harming him and, uh, and saved his life. And God remembered him, even as the Babylonians were taking over the city of Jerusalem. Uh, in less than two years, the walls are finally breached. Um, Nebuchadnezzar and his army, uh, his uh, commanders, are able to break through the gates, break through. Their siege is successful. They had starved out the people that stayed there instead of surrendering, and now they were going to put to death all of the ones who were not already dead, um, who, were not, who had not died from the famine because they had no food, not died from um, uh, the, the, all of the siege that they had taken place, uh, not died from disease or anything like that, and uh, now they were being killed by the sword. Uh, there were some of the poorest people in the land that were spared, but that was about it. And uh, the cruelty of the Assyrians, the cruelty of the Babylonians is seen in what happens to King Zedekiah. Zedekiah had chosen to not listen to Jeremiah and to rebel against the king of Babylon in a, in a, a way that would never be successful. And yet, um, yet he did it anyway. He listened to those prophets who said, oh, the Lord is with us and not the one faithful prophet of God, Jeremiah, who was saying, 
No, because of our sinfulness, he has decided that the time's up. And so Zedekiah was finally captured, even though he and his highest officials tried to flee. They were captured, brought before the king, and um, right before his eyes, his own children and family were killed. And then his eyes were, were taken out. It was a horrible, horrible thing. And then blinded, he was taken in shackles uh, to Babylon in exile, where he sometime later died. Just a horrible, horrible thing that happens. And, you know, we realize this is, how could God let this go on? Habakkuk asks the same question. How can God use a less righteous nation to punish a more righteous nation? And and God answers Habakkuk, who is a contemporary of Jeremiah, and says, Look, Habakkuk, you're not going to understand this. This is never going to make sense to you. But my righteous one will live by faith. The just shall live by faith. In Habakkuk 2, verse 4, that's the first place that statement is made. And then it's repeated later in the New Testament uh, several times. But as Jeremiah is watching all of this, he was kept uh, under guard there uh, in, the, in the palace of the guard and uh, up until the time that the Babylonians came in. And so Jeremiah very likely uh, saw all of this firsthand. Um, a horrible, horrible thing. But even then, God's mercy and grace and justice is still seen uh, because the Israelites were warned time and time again by my servants, the prophets, as God called them. Uh, they were warned by Moses when he gave them the law that there were blessings that would come with obedience and curses that would come with disobedience. Time and time again through the centuries, God had tried to spare them. In the time of Moses in 1500, to the time of David and Solomon around 1000, 1100 BC. And now here we are just after 600 BC and 586 and the Babylonians have destroyed Jerusalem. Uh, we continue reading in chapter 40, verse 1. The word came to Jeremiah from the Lord after Nebuzaradan, commander of the imperial guard, had released him at Ramah. He had found Jeremiah bound in chains among all the captives from Jerusalem and Judah who were being carried into exile to Babylon. When the commander of the guard found Jeremiah, he said to him, The Lord your God decreed this disaster for this place, and now the Lord has brought it about. He has done just as he said he would. Amazing words from the Babylonian commander. All this happened because you people sinned against the Lord and did not obey him. But today I am freeing you, Jeremiah, from the chains on your wrists. Come with me to Babylon if you like, and I will look after you. But if you do not want to, then don't come. Look, the whole country lies before you. Go wherever you please. However, before Jeremiah turned to go, Nebuzaradan added, Go back to Gedaliah, uh, son of Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, whom the king of Babylon has appointed over the towns of Judah and live with him among the people, or go anywhere else you please. Then the commander gave him provisions and a present, and let him go. So Jeremiah went to Gedaliah and stayed with him among the people who were left behind in the land. So maybe Jeremiah didn't see all of that firsthand, but he knew it was going on. He was stuck still under guard in Jerusalem when all of that was carried out in the nearby town of Riblah. And, um, and then the commander comes back and he tells Jeremiah, hey, you, you said all this was going to happen. We know you did. And the Lord your God has punished the people just as you said he would. 
and and so you you can do whatever you want. We have no beef against you, Jeremiah. But before Jeremiah is given the opportunity to go to Babylon, which is what he had been saying all along people should do, uh, the commander says, I want you to just go back to, to the man that uh, King Nebuchadnezzar has appointed ruler of the city in the meantime, Gedaliah. And unfortunately, that does not go too well for Jeremiah. Uh, but that's a reading for another day. Again, none of this had to happen. Uh, if only the people had repented, if only the people had said, just in the days of Hezekiah, just as in the days of King Josiah, oh, we, we know we've done wrong, we repent, God would have spared them, and yet they would not. And so Jeremiah, in the last chapter of the book, um, uh, uh, shares all of this episode in one final summary. And we'll read part of that in Jeremiah chapter 52, beginning at verse 1. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 11 years. His mother's name was Hamudal, daughter of Jeremiah, not the prophet Jeremiah. She was from Libna. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, just as Jehoiakim had done, the king before him. It was because of the Lord's anger that all this happened to Jerusalem and Judah, and in the end, he thrust them from his presence. Now Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon. So in the ninth year of Zedekiah's reign, on the tenth day of the tenth month, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, marched against Jerusalem with his whole army. They encamped outside the city and built siege works all around it. The city was kept under siege until the eleventh year of King Zedekiah. By the ninth day of the fourth month, the famine in the city had become so severe that there was no food for the people to eat. Then the city wall was broken through, and the whole army fled. They left the city at night through the gate between the two walls near the king's garden, through, though the Babylonians were surrounding the city. They fled toward the Arabah, but the Babylonian army pursued King Zedekiah and overtook him at the plains of Jericho. All his soldiers were separated from him and scattered, and he, King Zedekiah, was captured. He was taken to the king of Babylon at Riblah in the land of Hamath, where he pronounced sentence on him. There at Riblah, the king of Babylon killed the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes. He also killed all the officials of Judah. Then he put out Zedekiah's eyes, bound him with bronze shackles, and took him to Babylon, where he put him in prison till the day of his death. Verse 12, On the tenth day of the fifth month, in the nineteenth year of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, Nebuzaradan, commander of the imperial guard, who served the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem. He set fire to the temple of the Lord, the royal palace, and all the houses of Jerusalem. Every important building he burned down. What a sad, sad statement. And at this point, Jeremiah just writes it matter of fact. This is what happened to no one's surprise that was listening to the word of the Lord. Again, verse 13. He set fire to the temple of the Lord, the royal palace, and all the houses of Jerusalem, every important building, he burned down. Verse 14, the whole Babylonian army under the commander of the imperial guard broke down all the walls around Jerusalem. Nebuzaradan, the commander of the guard, carried into exile some of the poorest people and those who remained in the city, along with the rest of the craftsmen and those who had deserted to the king of Babylon. But Nebuzaradan left behind the rest of the poorest people of the land to work the vineyards and fields. Verse 17, the Babylonians broke up the bronze pillars, 
the movable stands in the bronze sea that were at the temple of the Lord, and they carried all the bronze to Babylon. They also took away the pots, shovels, wick trimmers, sprinkling bowls, dishes, and all the bronze articles used in the temple service. The commander of the imperial guard took away the basins, censers, sprinkling bowls, pots, lampstands, dishes, and bowls used for drink offerings, all that were made of pure gold or silver. The bronze from the two pillars, the sea, and the twelve bronze bulls under it, and the movable stands which King Solomon had made for the temple of the Lord was more than could be weighed. Um, each pillar was six was 18 cubits high and 12 cubits in circumference. Each was four fingers thick and hollow. The bronze capital on top of one pillar was five cubits high and was decorated with a network and pomegranates of bronze all around. The other pillar with its pomegranates was similar. There were 96 pomegranates on the sides. The total number of pomegranates above the surrounding network was 100. Details, right? You remember the last time we read such detail? It was when Moses was giving the instructions for building the tabernacle in the wilderness, and then later it was from King David and King Solomon designing and then actually Solomon building the temple of the Lord and putting everything in just ex exactly as God's word had called for. And now we see such great detail again. But this time it's an inventory of the things that the pagan commander of the nation of Babylon took with him out of the temple as spoils of war. We don't know what happened to a lot of the stuff. I wonder what happened to the Ark of the Covenant. I'm with Indiana Jones on that one. And there's some indication that it was taken to Babylon, some indication that it was hidden in uh, the area of Jerusalem, some indication that it popped up later during the time of the return. But to this day, we really don't know exactly where that Ark of the Covenant is. My theory is it was probably taken to Babylon. The gold melted down for value and then used to make some sort of idol or something for the Babylonians. Why do you think that, Bill? Because that's how much God cares about physical things. It doesn't matter to him. He called on the Jews time and time and time again. With everything they had, all the beauty of Solomon's temple, the beauty of the most holy place, the Holy of Holies, the Ark of the Covenant, the angels overseeing it, the, the sacred things inside it. Those things didn't matter to God like obedience from the heart mattered to God. He kept calling them for wholehearted obedience. The fact that they had all the stuff, all the things, um, didn't uh, substitute for an obedient heart. That's what King Saul learned, and that's what now all of the Jews are learning once again. It's such a sad, sad story of the fall and destruction of Jerusalem. Verse 24 of Jeremiah 52, The commander of the guard took as prisoners Sarai the chief priest, Zephaniah the priest next in rank, and the three doorkeepers. Of those still in the city, he took the officer in charge of the fighting men and seven royal advisers. He also took the secretary, who was chief officer in charge of conscripting the people of the land, 60 of whom were found in the city. Nebuzaradan, the commander, took them all and brought them to the king of Babylon at Riblah. There at Riblah, in the land of Hamath, the king had them executed. So Judah went into captivity away from her land. The saddest day in the history of the Jews, 
uh, of in Bible times, at least, the Holocaust, horrible, horrible, sad thing in the 20th century. But here at this time, at this moment, Solomon's Grand Temple, the wonderful palace, royal palace that David had built, all of the sacred things that were contained in the temple, in the holy place, in the most holy place, either destroyed or carried off into exile. Why? Because of the disobedience of sin. And I think the lesson I want us to remember as we close this very sad, sad moment in the history of Israel is it didn't have to be this way. And it doesn't have to be that way for us. God's word is sure. Make, make no uh, question about it. Uh, what he said through Moses at the beginning, what he said through the prophets time and time again, what he's saying to us now is my word must be revered. My word and my will must be followed and obeyed because if it's not, oh, it may not happen right away. And, and as the psalmist record, many will think, oh, I guess he doesn't see us. I guess we're okay. But that's not the truth. That's not the truth. And that's what this event tells us perhaps more than anything else, that if we have a disregard for the word and will of God, it will catch up to us. God will see and God will act one day. It may not be when uh, we're expecting it. It may not be for a long time. It may not even be till after our lives are over in this world, but it will come, my friend. It will come. God will not put up with sin. He will not put up with rebellion. He will not put up with this reckless, arrogant life where uh, self is put on the throne. And the word of God is given no value. The Jews learned that the hard way as they went into exile or were killed. The question is for us, what, what about us? Will we hear those things from all of those that have gone before us? And as Romans 15 says, through the encouragement and endurance of the scriptures, find hope in our obedience. Or will we pretend that these things don't apply anymore, that they won't happen to me, that these are just words on a page, and that God will certainly not act to defend his will, to punish those who are disobedient and in rebellion against his word. I believe that God will do that again. And I believe just as strongly that he has provided a way so that we, even in our own sinfulness, can find an opportunity to be forgiven, can find an opportunity to choose the way of life over the way of death. Romans 6 verse 23 puts it so well. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let us choose life. Let us choose grace. Let us choose obedience. Let us choose Jesus. On Thursday, we read through the Lamentations, which are so very sad, and yet in the very midst of those Lamentations is a word of hope. I'll see you on Thursday.